Hi and welcome everyone. This is Catherine with Decoding Seafood and today we're thrilled to be sitting here with Tracy Wienerholm. Tracy is a self-described counselor, mom and wife who runs a site Burnt Apple where she exposes people to cooking delicious meals using five ingredients or less and that are ready in under 30 minutes. Her recipes are tailored for people on the go and those that don't have time to sit in their kitchen all day. All of her meals are gluten-free, many are dairy-free, and most of them are food elder food allergy-free too. Welcome, Tracy. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for taking the time to to be with us today. I do appreciate it. I know it's it's a long day, so I definitely do appreciate it. I want to get it started and just kind of talk a little bit about your love of food. Um, when I was doing a little bit of research on you, I saw that your love of food and cooking goes back to when you were a child, and it kind of started with a funny story with a birthday cake for your dad. So can you tell can you tell the audience a little bit about that and just kind of what started you on this journey? Yeah, so I'll make a disclaimer. I don't know that I necessarily have a love of cooking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just think there's so many. Every time you have a food blogger, I meet other food bloggers like, oh, you must love cooking. I'm like, well, no, I kind of started because I didn't love cooking. <laughs> it actually kind of came out of necessity and just because I work with people a lot. So it kind of also came out of my love for people and my dad. So I was, what was I, 10 years old when he got diagnosed with kidney and heart disease. So he was in his 30s, early 40s maybe at the time. It just kind of changed our entire family and the way that my dad had to eat. And I can remember for his first birthday, my mom found a restaurant he could actually eat at. So they went out on a date and I decided, well, I'm going to make his birthday cake because he was telling us how he'd been craving cake. And so I made this cake. They get home from you know, their date, his dinner, and he goes to take a bite of it and kind of gets this funny look on his face, scrapes the frosting off and then starts stretching it out, was like playing with his cake. <laughs> I felt so bad because I tried to make something for him and I couldn't do it. And it's kind of where it went from there. Like I am a trial and error type person. I mean, if, the, you know, my kids know when the fire alarm goes off, they don't even flinch. They're just like, oh, mom's trying something new again. So it just kind of goes from that. But what I did find was that, you know, I really did have an ability to kind of make things over that I liked and that I could do it in a way like my dad could enjoy it. And as I got diagnosed with some health issues, I was able to enjoy foods as well and kind of make over the foods that I enjoyed into things that I could eat that still tasted just as good um as the things I used to like so it's kind of where I went from there well it's it's always interesting to me to hear when I talk to people how their how their journey into food starts usually at a, at a young age and it's you know like you said it doesn't necessarily have to be that you love cooking it's something just kind of puts you on that path um I want to talk a little bit about you mentioned that you had a health issue that kind of you know encouraged your your time in the kitchen. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So as a, actually in my teens, my mom kind of noticed that I would have these periods where I'd start to get really, really sick and I'd have horrible like stomach cramps and nauseated. I couldn't eat food. Um, I'd lose weight. And when we finally got into the doctor to try to get it diagnosed, they really couldn't figure out what was going on. And it wasn't until I had my third child and got sick enough, I was sick for almost a year at that point, that they were able to finally get me in and do some really good tests and um, finally got diagnosed with uh, non-ulcerative colitis. So it kind of changed what I wanted to do as far as food-wise because there, 
as I was talking to my doctor, he said, well, if you had been diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, there's lots of medications and things available to you really for yours. There's just kind of a lot of, um, you know, like preventative things we can kind of help with, but not really like medications, but diet's a big one. So I kind of started to experiment with my diet. I found that diet was a really good way of controlling it most of the time. So I kind of did that. What sort of changes did you make for the, for the people out there that really don't know much about colitis, you know, and what dietary changes you made? What, what kind of things did you change in your food that, that helped you? Yeah. So the big one was kind of identifying my triggers. And I knew like when I drink juice, like my stomach would just, oh my gosh, I would just want to die. <laughs> and so we were kind of looking at, oh, juice might be something that I react to. And then we also found gluten was something I was reacting to. And then some of the dairy products uh, were things that I was also reacting to. So kind of took those out and I've been okay, but those are probably the big ones. Well, I'm glad you've been, you've been able to figure a way around it. And, you know, all of these events in your life have, have kind of led you to cooking and, and specifically healthy cooking, healthy, simple cooking, I should say. And kind of piggybacked onto this was the inception, I think, of the burnt apple. So can you tell people exactly what it is, how it came about, you know, how do you even come up with that name? What's what's the purpose of it? Um, just tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so I kind of came up with burnt apple because I was trying to think of something that would kind of describe me. And I remember my dad always kind of calling my cooking like a beautiful disaster because <laughs> you never knew. Um, and my kids would call it that too because I was one of those moms that's like, well, the pancake's perfect. Just don't look underneath, you know, kind of mom. And so um, they kind of called it a beautiful disaster. I'm like, well, burnt apple's kind of fun because it, it is. Like if you've seen pictures of like, you know, the burnt apple desserts and stuff, they're a little bit of burnt element to it, but also a lot of beauty to it. So I'm like, there we go. That's what it's going to be. So it's a beautiful disaster. <laughs> Most of it turns out good, but sometimes it does not. So good. <laughs> and who's, who's your target audience? When you, when you decided to do this site, you know, who, who were you trying to reach out to? Mainly at the time, it was more just for myself, just to kind of have a place to um, kind of house all my recipes and then from there I started to see people were starting to read it and kind of ask questions and so from there I'm like well let's kind of target it more to to busy people and what I found is my demographics are pretty much anywhere from just busy working adults to families um so I get a lot of that especially families like mine where I have a gluten allergy and I'm the only one that eats it. When my dad di got diagnosed, he couldn't have dairy either. And my mom was the, the attitude like, we're all on deck as a family. Like, we're all going to eat the way dad's eating to support him. But when I got diagnosed, I'm like, okay, well, that costs a lot of money. And now I've got teenagers. And so that's not going to happen. <laughs> and so I kind of had to find a way to, hey, how can I eat? But not, I mean, financially, we just couldn't afford to have everybody all on board. And so... Um, I started to kind of go narrow down to the five ingredients or less kind of thing. And I found a lot of people were gravitating towards that because we were all busy. It's crazy all the time for a lot of us. And they really liked having those easy, simple recipes that they could kind of have on hand. So yeah, definitely when I was going through your site and everything, the thing that caught my attention was that you had recipes that were five ingredients or less, which I thought was fascinating. And then also it could be ready in less than 30 minutes. So in my mind, that was pretty much a win-win. And again, I'm somebody, I always do full disclosure. I am somebody that probably cannot even boil water properly. So for me, it was something that 
you know, that kind of resonated. I'm curious, how did you, why five ingredients? Why did we come up with five? Was there a reason? Yeah, I just think it's a good number. Like it's enough to do something with, you know, and it doesn't sound like very much to people. So when they're thinking of five ingredients, they're thinking it's not very much, you know, it's doable. It sounds doable. Uh, three usually sounds like a little too little, you know, it's like, well, we can't make anything good with that. But five just kind of sounded like a good kind of target number. So I'm like, we'll go with that one. So um, we tried 10 ingredients or less for a while. And then I had some people, you know, like yourself, who were like, I can't even boil water. <laughs> so I'm like, well, let's do five then. Fine, we'll do five. And so, I mean, it's been a challenge, but it's also been super fun to try to come up with these gorgeous looking recipes that you could serve to people that, you know, you're like, but they only have five ingredients or less. Like I made it really easy for you. So I yeah, know, you kind of fun. Believe, you'd never believe looking at your recipes that honestly that they're, that they're that simple and they're that quick. So kudos to you on that. You. I'm not above a shortcut here or there. You know, there are some of the recipes where I'm like, hey, let's just do a shortcut here or there, you know, but we, it is, it's mostly five ingredients or less and I'm kind of, you know, it, it's great tasting. I love it. So it makes it really easy at night too. I'm sure it does. I'm going to switch gears a little bit and I'm going to dive into where seafood fits into your whole, your whole philosophy and your whole message on easy, delicious meals. Um, I was looking at one of your blogs that you put out and, and I was actually pretty fascinated by it because it talked about your love of the ocean and growing up by the ocean and how that made you, in your own words, a huge food stop, which made me giggle. And I wanted, and I wanted to find out, can you tell us a little about how that started and, you know, just as a child, what started you eating seafood? So my, in our family growing up by the ocean, you just ate seafood. It's just kind of part of life. Uh, My good friend growing up was Japanese. And so her mom introduced us to a lot of really good seafood recipes, but I also know there's, it's there's kind of a fear that goes along with it as I've moved more inland now and I live, you know, in Utah, it's interesting that there hasn't been that exposure to seafood that I had growing up. So it's been interesting introducing that in a different way to my family. Um, you know, I kind of remember just, I mean, I was a little kid sleeping over at my friend's house as a second grader and her mom serves us like a rice bowl for breakfast and it's got seaweed and it's got like sardines looking at you, you know? the dried sardines. I'm like, oh my gosh, like there's no pancakes and eggs. <laughs> you know, Like I'm eating sardines for breakfast, but, um, you know, but from there it just grew and her family, one of the things that they did every Saturday night is they always went out to dinner, but they would invite our family. So I got exposed to sushi and I'm talking like the beautiful dishes of sushi that have like the flowers and things like that on it. And I remember them teaching me what flowers, what parts of the food of the plate I could eat, you know, and what was edible and not edible. So you learn from a young age and really start to grow an appreciation for seafood and how wonderful tasting it is when it's done right. <laughs> so that's where my snobbishness comes from. <laughs> because I came in, Lynn, and they'll tell me things like, oh, we flew it in fresh. I'm like, okay, what does flew in fresh mean? Like, I will sit there and like grill the waiter. Like, what do you mean? Like, I came in on the, you know, flight and you, what does that mean to you? <laughs> me? Because I'm used to, you know, we'd go down to the docks as a kid and down by the docks, you could actually just go grab fish and have it, you know, they prepare it for you there and you go home, you fry it up and it's less than an hour old. It tastes delicious. And, 
know, has a great flavor to it and you can taste the difference in, in seafood. So, yeah, that's, it's very different being on, I think either coast as to, as opposed to being, you know, in the middle of the country as to, you know, the selection you get sometimes. Um, one of the things, so we talked about you getting exposed to fish as a child. So my real question is, have you been able to transfer your love of fish to your kids? And if you have, or if you haven't, what worked, what didn't work? Because one of the things that in talking to people is that they do want to expose their, their children to more seafood, but they're really not sure how to do it. So do you have any pointers or ideas for parents trying to introduce fish or seafood to their kids? Do you have a recipe that you would recommend that would be a good starting point for these people? Yeah, so um, I, I can understand. I think, like I said, it's it's been very difficult because I live in an area where they aren't exposed to the coastal taste of fish. So when I do take them out back home to California, I will expose them to that. Um, even my my current husband, he he's like, I don't like fish. He's grown up here. And he's like, I don't like the taste of it. It tastes too fishy to me. I've never liked it. And I said, just give me give me five minutes, like and and trip to this restaurant. And we went to California. I had him try some. I'm like, this is what fresh fish tastes like. This is how it's supposed to be prepared. So, um, one way that I have exposed my own children to it is this is so bad, but I sneak it in. Like I, I, one of those, I'm not above sneaking in food to them because, and I'll tell you why in a minute, because I think it's transitioning them to the taste. Unfortunately, like my kids have grown up with the fish are friends, not food, you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, no, it is, it can be food too. Like there's good health benefits to it. It's fine, you guys. Um, but one of the things I've done is I will do like a, a meatball or a meatball recipe that I have and I will sub like say it's a chicken meatball recipe so if it calls for one pound of ground chicken or beef i'll do three-fourths pound of ground beef and then one-fourth pound maybe like ground salmon or so you know tilapia or something so that it's not overpowering them and they're not really noticing the the change in the flavor and then as i prepare it again and again i'll transition the amount of fish that i'm using to you know, I've made fish meatballs before and they haven't even noticed. So I just kind of ground some fish up and make it into meatballs. They love it. They don't know. Glad they're not listening. <laughs> well, let's hear it for sneaky. <laughs> but it is. I mean, it's kind of that. Yeah. I mean, if you go back to being like a baby, what do they say? I have to be exposed to stuff like what? 15, some of the times like 15 times or more for a baby to like that flavor. And it's kind of the same too. But now you're adding years end where they've been kind of conditioned that like, no, you don't eat, you know, something that looks at you with their eyeball or, you know, and they don't like that. And so it's kind of just saying like, Hey, you know, we can transition you easy and we can get your palate to taste, to change a little bit and acquire that taste to it. And then we'll kind of slowly add more and more in as your palate kind of transitions to the taste of it. So that's kind of how I see it. Not really being sneaky, but transitioning. <laughs> I think, I think it makes perfect sense to me. And I do like how everything kind of comes together for you because in also in, in reading your bio before this, one of the things I saw was that you've actually been able to introduce seafood and specifically sushi um, to some of your children at the elementary school. 
And I thought that was really fascinating. So I'd love you to tell us a story about how you were able to make seafood, not only introduce them to seafood, but also make it a social and fun experience for them. Yeah. So I've worked as a counselor at an elementary setting for about five years now and absolutely love it. I, I feel like I'm a really bad counselor because I'm not a traditional counselor. So I'm always kind of trying to find ways like how can I just can't do deep breathing with you for 30 minutes. I will go crazy. So I'm like, how can we make counseling kind of fun and interesting, but also kind of engaging as well? And so I had a student that had really been struggling with friends, um, trying to make a friend group. And, and they were a little bit different in some of the things that they enjoyed. But they told me one day that they love to make sushi and or they like to eat it. And I'm like, well, have you ever made it? No, I haven't made it. So I'm like, well, let's grab some of your friends. So I talked to a couple of her teachers and got some of their friends together. And they came into my office and I had the sushi rice and the sushi rollers. And I taught them all how to roll sushi. And it was fun because I had some different, like the everything from like imitation crab to, um, I did some like just ground cooked chicken in case they didn't want to do fish. I had some salmon and they were just having a blast experimenting and trying different, you know, seafood. And they actually ended up like loving it. They thought it was great. So, and we're trying different things and realizing why well, I really like this, you know, and I think, I don't know if that goes into because they were making it and kind of trying it or because they were in a group and trying it together, but they ended up making some pretty good friendships out of it. And just a fun experience and kind of a different one um, that you don't usually do in when you're kind of trying to form friendships, but I'm like, this worked out great. And they had a lot of fun. So I like kind of doing those kind of fun things. I, I like the idea of, of having children prepare the food themselves when they can. Cause I also think that helps, you know, it helps with the ownership and buy-in to it. And I, I think that if they can control it and they can make it, then they may be more likely to try it, you know? So I, I, I definitely think that that's a fun idea. It sounds like you need to have a sushi club at your school. So that you can, you know, so that they can do this, you know, I don't know, once a month, make different types of sushi. Yeah, it'd be fun. It'd be fun. <laughs> I would totally support it. <laughs> you have my vote for what it's yeah, worth. Totally. Yeah. I mean, just don't eat most of it, but it's good. It's good. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to get towards wrapping up, but I'm going to ask the question that I pretty much ask everybody on this podcast. And that is, why did you agree to be part of this podcast? You know, why was decoding seafood, you know, important enough for you to take time out of your day to talk with us? Yeah, I just, uh, I, I struggle because I think that there's kind of become a stigma with seafood. Um, I get a lot of people, actually, when I started to, to do my website, a lot of times you'll hear from some of the experts that kind of help you along with your blog like oh don't post seafood recipes they just don't do well you know they don't do as well I'm like well I think I don't know there's such a stigma and now we're hearing you get things in the news that get told about seafood you know it's it's got all these bad things in it and you know the sources are bad and and I think that's the one thing I remember when my dad first got diagnosed was talking to one of his nutritionists, his nutritionist saying, you know, you could pretty much eat two boxes of cereal. And if you look at the back of it, it has all your nutrients for the day. We should be the healthiest people on earth, right? But we're not. And, you know, eating it from the source, we're live organisms eating from the source is important. And so that's kind of always stuck with me that, you know, eating seafood, it has a lot of really good health benefits to it. 
not always for everyone, but you know, it's it's your choice if you want to eat or not. But it's a great way to bring in some great nutrition, some great fats, some great um, health benefits that other foods don't have. And you're getting it straight from the source. So our bodies are really liking what we're giving it because we're getting it from the source. So that's one reason why I kind of agreed to come on the podcast. And I think also because it's fun to introduce seafood in a different way to those who are looking to do that. So I don't know. I kind of feel like I, this is why I'm like, yeah, I love being able to help people out and find fun and creative ways to kind of bring in something that's really good for you um, into your your diet. So, well, I think I think people listening will hear how authentic you are and how much you know you genuinely love what you're doing and and how you know everything kind of led you on this path to to embracing cooking even though it sounded like it was not something initially that you wanted to do and also just looking at healthy alternatives for for people out there that may need it so i i really want to thank you for agreeing to do this podcast you know i i do believe that it's testament to the commitment that you have in spreading the message that food can be exciting and tasty and healthy you know which they, i think we need more of And if people want to learn more about you, your website, your recipes, where can they find you? So you can find me at burntapple.com and that's B-U-R-N-T apple.com. And then I'm on the, all the medias. I don't know. (laughs) I say it and there's so many now. (laughs) So yeah. Are you you under the same handle for all of your, for all of your media? Yes. Yeah. Almost all the time you can or um, you can find it under the burnt apple or pretty close to that so okay perfect well thank you again tracy i really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and i am kind of excited to see what else you're going to be doing i'm going to be following you and seeing what other recipes you need and see if you can inspire me to to try and cook in my own kitchen awesome thank you i know some of my favorite recipes on the website right now like people love the copycat recipes i do because they they're like, oh, I missed this, or, or I went to, what is it, uh, Red Lobster the other day, and those those biscuits, and I'm like, oh, yeah. So that's kind of fun. So those recipes do really well right now, or the copycat ones. Well, I, I wish you nothing but the best in the future, and, and we will definitely be, you know, watching you and, and seeing all the exciting stuff you're coming out with. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Of course. Thank you.